0: Welcome to U News, the podcast using the power of Univision to bring the news that matters to you in English. Today is Friday, October 9th. I'm Lorraine Cáceres. These are today's headlines. The coronavirus crisis showing no signs of letting up here in the United States. More than 56,000 new cases reported on Thursday as concerns rise over the upcoming flu season. Meanwhile, at the White House, President Trump continuing his treatment for COVID-19. The president reportedly considering a return to the campaign trail in just a matter of days. And just six weeks after Hurricane Laura came ashore along the Texas-Louisiana border, Hurricane Delta not taking aim at the same stretch of coast. The latest on the Category 3 storm. This and much more today on U.N.E.W.S. News, recorded live in our newsroom in Miami. We begin with the latest on Hurricane Delta, the Category 3 storm steaming towards the Texas Louisiana border weeks after Hurricane Laura plummeted the same area. Pedro Rojas is standing by in Lake Charles, Louisiana with the latest. Pedro, what's the scene like where you're at?
1: Well, definitely the storm is picking up. We can tell the winds have also increased in the last few hours, but we know in the next few hours this will be critical in this region. And why? because of the amount of debris left by Hurricane Laura just about six weeks ago. And the realities are that many people haven't been able to start rebuilding their places. Thousands have might have to evacuate overnight. And now this is the reality. For many forecasters, the, the main the main concern is the amount of debris that is being left on the ground here in Lake Charles. And the reason being is because when the winds will reach about 100 miles an hour, all of this debris can be called lethal for anyone that will be walking on the streets here. So, tonight it's going to be really critical for this region and for the entire southwest region of Louisiana, and the, and the reason being is because many, many residents that still did not hit to the evacuation orders, they remain in their homes, and if anyone dared to get out, they could be hit by any of this debris that is left out everywhere. Over a hundred thousand homes in this region were affected by Laura, and tonight, Most of those same structures will be tested with these intense winds tonight. So the reason of of concern for many local residents and authorities is pretty high, and they expect that, unfortunately, this region is gonna hit again. Back to you.
0: A dangerous situation. Thank you, Pedro, for that full report. And now to the... And now to the latest on President Trump's health, what we know and don't know. The president claiming he feels well and his doctor clearing him to resume public events this weekend. Still, there are many questions that remain unanswered. Andrea Linares has the latest.
2: Exactly one week after he said he tested positive for COVID-19, the the president today declared himself cured after being administered a combination of experimental medications. But we
0: have medicines right now, and I call them a cure. I went into the hospital a week ago. I was very sick. And I took this medicine, and it was incredible. It was incredible. I I could have walked out the following day.
2: But, in reality, there is no cure so far for COVID-19. Mr. Trump is boasting his natural attributes are an asset, too.
3: I'm back because I'm a perfect physical specimen, and I'm extremely young.
2: Specimen? Did he say specimen? Maybe I could agree with that. His disassociation from reality would be funny if it weren't so deadly. And Dr. Fauci still concerned with the the progression the virus could have in Trump's body in the coming days.
3: One of the issues that we all have to be aware, and his physicians are aware of this, that the history of COVID-19 is that you could look and feel like you're doing reasonably well and after a couple of days you could have a downturn.
2: Still, many details surrounding the president's health remain a mystery. His physician, Dr. Sean Conley, has not taken questions since Monday. In a memo, he noted the president completed his course of therapy for COVID-19 and expects him to return to public engagements as soon as Saturday. Trump saying he would want to do a rally in Florida next, and then Pennsylvania. And the White House not saying when the president last tested negative.
0: Um, I can't reveal that at this time. The doctors would like to keep it private.
2: The president also telling Fox Business Network that he may have caught the virus at a Gold Star Families event at the White House on September 27th. But so far, none of the Gold Star Families show signs of having COVID. That gathering was after the Rose Garden event with Judge Amy Coney Barrett, but before the president traveled to Cleveland for the debate with Joe Biden and to a rally in Minnesota and later to a fundraiser in New Jersey. But while the president's health appears to have improved, the head of White House security, Creed Bailey, has been hospitalized with COVID-19 since the end of September. He is reportedly critically ill. However, he was infected before that Rose Garden event. Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell said he's avoided visits to the White House because he hasn't been comfortable with the steps taken there to prevent spread of the coronavirus. He's repeatedly been seen wearing a mask and has urged others to do so while also practicing social distancing. In Miami, Florida, Andrea Linares, You News.
0: Thank you, Andrea, for that report. And meanwhile, today we're learning that some medical professionals at Walter Reed Medical Center were asked to sign non-disclosure agreements during President Trump's last-minute visit to the military hospital in November of 2019. That's according to a personal person familiar with the matter. The request caused anxiety among some of the hospital staff, and more than one person refused to sign the document and were subsequently barred from tending to the president. In a statement, the White House said anyone treating Trump would already be obligated to maintain confidentiality through existing Rules, but the spokesperson did not deny NDAs were requested. And on Capitol Hill, Speaker of the House Nancy Pelosi is questioning the president's fitness to serve. Today, she announced plans to launch a commission to evaluate a sitting president's ability to carry out official duties. Edwin Pitti is in Washington, D.C. with the latest. Edwin, what did Speaker Pelosi say today?
4: Lorraine, Pelosi started this pressure by presenting a bill that seeks to take away presidential powers. The speaker is saying that we have to give some comfort to people that there is a way to do this respectfully, not making a judgment on the basis of a common or behavior that we don't like. But when questioned about the timing of this action, just 25 days away from the election, Pelosi responded that this legislation is not about the election or any political motivated action. Take a listen.
2: This is not about President Trump. He will face the judgment of the voters. But he he shows the need for us to create a process for future presidents. Throughout America's history, our leaders have created and strengthened guardrails in the Constitution to ensure stability and continuity of government in times of crisis.
4: The explanation on how the commission would come to life was done by Representative Jamie Raskin, who is an expert on the Constitution. Raskin adding that all of this legislation can only work when there is bipartisan support. Let's listen. Eight members are chosen, half by Republican leaders and half by Democratic leaders, from medical personnel, physicians, and um, other medical authorities. The other eight members are drawn from former—the ranks of former high-ranking executive branch officers, including former presidents, vice presidents, attorneys general, secretaries of defense, uh, treasury and state, and surgeon general. Lorraine, it is very unlikely that this bill will see the light because the Republican-led Senate. They are not going to even discuss it as it was said by the Senate leader Mitch McConnell. But now moving to the campaign trail, I can tell you that after completing events in Nevada, the Vice President Mike Pence was scheduled to travel today to Indianapolis to cast his ballot for the election, but that was canceled and he came back to Washington without giving any explanation. Those moves create a lot of uncertainty, especially when the White House continue to be unclear about the president's health. And on that topic, that's the reason why the next presidential debate continues to be up in the air after it was announced by the commission that regulates debates that the event schedule for the 15 was going to be virtual. President Trump didn't agree with it and kept going back and forth about going or not. Meanwhile, the Biden campaign saying that Trump doesn't get to make the rules of the debate. So as of now, the Commission of Presidential Debates is saying that there is only one left, and it will happen on October 22nd. Trump's reelection campaign is asking for another debate on the 29th, but the Biden campaign is not interested since it will be too close to election date. Live in Washington, D.C., Lorraine, back to you.
0: Thank you, Edwin, for that report. And joining me now is Lauren Baer. She's a former State Department official under President Obama. Thanks for being here, Lauren. You worked in the State Department during the early stages of the Ebola outbreak. What precautions were taken then to protect the White House? And do we know if those precautions are being taken now?
5: Well, Taking a step back to when we were confronting the Ebola crisis, the, the thing that we did first and foremost was from the outset recognize that this could be a public health crisis, it could be an economic crisis, and it could be a potentially a national security crisis. That's why from day one our response was driven by science and not by politics. During the Obama years, we never confronted anything close to what this administration is confronting with coronavirus because we were able to nip the Ebola crisis in the bud. It never came to our shores in the way that we're seeing COVID just devastating America right now.
0: Lauren, so far, 34 people have been connected to the White House uh, to have tested positive for COVID-19, but the CDC has been sidelined when it comes to contact tracing efforts. What could be behind all of this?
5: Well, once again, I I think this stems from the fact that Donald Trump and his administration fundamentally want to treat the COVID-19 pandemic as a matter of politics and not as something that should be driven by science. We have the experts within the CDC, within other government agencies who can tell us what policies should guide our, or what science should guide our policies in terms of tackling COVID-19. But Donald Trump has had no interest from day one in meaningfully listening to the scientists. Instead, he seems to be interested and driven solely by his own political fortunes. And as a result of this, we have more than two 210,000 Americans who have died. It's, It's a really, truly tragic situation.
0: We just heard about Speaker Pelosi and her attempt to ensure there's continuity in power if the president is suddenly unable to handle official duties. But the 25th Amendment already ensures that. Talk to us about what's behind Pelosi's move.
5: I think what's behind Pelosi's move is, frankly, the lack of transparency we're seeing coming out of the White House. Um, They've been unclear from day one about the exact status of the president's health. Now, when he refers back to the day he went to Walter Reed, he says he was gravely ill. But if you turn back to what was said a week ago, they said they were just doing that move out of an abundance of caution. What the 25th Amendment does is it ensures that we have continuity of power and that it passes to the the vice president. Now, the 25th Amendment can be invoked by members of cabinet, but it can be also invoked by any sort of body that Congress sets up, and that's what Nancy Pelosi is proposing here. But what I want all of the viewers to remember is that we wouldn't be in this situation at all if the coronavirus pandemic had been handled properly. And if the White House were being clear and transparent about the status of the president's health, they are not. And that's why we're considering this bill at the moment.
0: And Lauren, my last question, the president's erratic behavior in the last few days has officials concerned about his judgment. How dangerous is it for our nation to have a president under heavy medication and acting on what some perceives as whims?
5: I think it's deeply concerning, and I want to highlight that it's concerning from a national security perspective. The United States has many foes uh, in the world, many enemies, countries like Russia, Iran, North Korea. And what they seek to do is take advantage of, of any perceptions of weakness. The fact that the president has been unclear about the precise status of his health, the, the fact that he continues to behave erratically, um, it opens us up to the threats. And these are not only physical threats. I want to also point out that there are cyber threats and disinformation threats. And when we look back, for example, on the fact that Russia actively tried to interfere in the 2016 elections through a disinformation campaign, and we know that they're trying to do that again now, I think we have reason to be concerned that the president's vulnerability will open us up to national security threats in the final days leading up to the election.
0: It will definitely be an interesting few weeks ahead. Thank you so much, Lauren Baer, former State Department official under President Obama. Thank you. And meanwhile, the daily average of COVID-19 cases is rising quickly here in the U.S., and experts are worried about what will happen in the next few months with the incoming winter weather. This is Dr. Anthony Fauci has thoughts on how long we'll need to wear a mask here in the U.S. In the U.S., the daily average of COVID-19 cases is steadily rising, now up to 45,000 a day, more than double since June. On Thursday, the country recorded more than 56,000 cases. At least half a dozen states are seeing record hospitalizations over the past few days. Wisconsin is among four states reporting record high numbers of coronavirus cases. And as colder weather approaches, fears of a new surge growing in the Northeast. New Jersey reporting around 1300 new coronavirus cases on thursday its highest number of new cases since may 29th in new york city new lockdowns that limit capacity at houses of worship leading to protests and two lawsuits being filed against new york governor andrew cuomo by the archdiocese of brooklyn and an orthodox jewish advocacy group
5: we didn't break into stores we didn't loot anything we didn't hit the police we didn't burn on any police cards we were just upset that on a plane people can be clustered together by a peaceful protest in Manhattan where people wanted to defund the police and uh, everything else that was okay to be together. But all of a sudden now when people wanna go to the house of God and to pray, we're being uh, singled out and saying that we should stop, which does not make sense and a total hypocrisy.
0: Meanwhile, medical experts pleading with Americans to take precautions. If you're gathering together indoors,
5: Assume someone in that group that's outside of your family household that could be positive and wear your mask and continue to physically distant.
0: This, as Dr. Anthony Fauci warns, it could be a year before we have a return to normal life.
3: Will people have to wear masks? Yes, likely. I would imagine if we get a good vaccine now that we could have some degree of normality in the third quarter to the fourth quarter of 2021.
0: On the vaccine front, Health and Human Services Secretary Alex Azar giving an update on the country's progress.
6: Pending FDA authorizations, we believe we may have up to 100 million doses by the end of the year, enough to cover especially vulnerable populations. And we project having enough for every American who wants a vaccine by March to April, 2021.
0: The Institute for Health Metrics and Evaluation is predicting about 3,000 deaths daily by January. And meanwhile, Joe Biden's presidential campaign raked in over 12 million dollars Wednesday after the debate between Vice President Pence and Biden's running mate, Senator Kamala Harris. Biden's most recent fundraising hauls include nearly 10 million in the three hours surrounding his first debate with President Trump on September 29th. And a surge in absentee ballots cast in states across the country is handing Democrats an early advantage. More than six million Americans have already voted in 27 states for November's general election, according to data released by states that have begun accepting ballots. Registered Democrats have returned 1.4 million ballots and more than twice the 653,000 ballots registered Republicans have returned so far. And meanwhile, California has a lot of experience in voting by mail, but this year marks the first time that every registered voter in the state will receive a ballot. As Grecia Lastra tells us, this year voters will also be available, able to track their vote online.
6: More than 20 million million ballots were sent out in California to all registered voters for the November presidential election.
1: Voting
6: Voting by by mail is nothing new in California. It's successful, convenient convenient for for voters, and it's the the safest way way to protect our health in November. This is the first presidential election in which ballots have been sent out to every registered voter in California, and also the first time that those who cast their vote by mail will have the option of tracking it electronically. to increase the transparency of voting by mail, we are offering the tool Where Is My Ballot. This tracking tool requires voters to register their name, last name, date of birth, and zip code on the California Secretary of State website to receive notifications by email or text message on your cell phone. This system will create confidence in the voter that his or her ballot actually counted. In addition to California, at least 13 other states offer this electronic tracking, including Nevada, Arizona, Illinois, and Florida. Interested voters should visit their state's election website. Reported by Jaime Garcia in Los Angeles, this is Grecia Lastra reporting for U News. More of U News after this short break.
0: Welcome back to U News. And now to Southern California, where the victim in South Los Angeles was walking in his neighborhood when he was shot at point blank range. The shooting happens as the LAPD's chief of police says is facing a wave of increased homicides citywide.
3: The security video shows the victim in a white shirt standing on the sidewalk as a dark car pulls up almost in front of him. A witness enters the scene and they talk for a few seconds when suddenly a man exits the vehicle and shoots him in cold blood. The victim, identified by his family as 43-year-old Miguel Marquez, falls to the ground as the witness runs for his life. Then the gunman gets in the car and escapes from the scene while Miguel is left dying until a good Samaritan arrives to help. But it was too late. Miguel was pronounced dead at the scene. LAPD Chief Michael Moore went on the record on the sudden spike in homicides on the streets of South Los Angeles this year alone. With
0: 39 additional homicides as a city, versus last year,
1: 101 additional shooting victims from a year ago, This is a pace of shooting and violence that we've not seen in years and now has continued
0: to accelerate.
3: But at the crime scene, the Marcus family is asking for justice for the father of two teenagers. According to those who knew him, Marcus was a handyman in the area and was devoted to his family. The victim's brother, Cristobal Sanchez, told us in Spanish that he wants to see those responsible for his brother's death behind bars. The LAPD says that the department is prioritizing investigations in South LA, given the severity of criminal activity in the area.
1: This is violence that's
0: impacting not just people standing on a corner against other individuals standing on
1: a corner. This is violence that is hitting our very young and our very innocent.
3: Miguel Marquez family is asking LA City to offer a reward to help detectives resolve this case. In Los Angeles, I'm Salvador Duran, U News.
0: Thanks for listening to You News, the podcast. Don't forget to follow You News on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And if you haven't yet, go to your favorite podcast platform and subscribe, rate, and review. Join us tomorrow for a new episode. Until then.